Alan. Been thinking about asking our listeners, popping them the big question. Okay. It's it's not an easy one. I think now is the time for us to both get on our knees and look deep, deep into our listeners' ears and what and ask them sincerely and with conviction, will you rate and review us on iTunes? Okay, we're on our knees. Where are their ears? <laughs> They're gonna have to bend down too. Everyone get on your knees. Okay, wait a minute. I don't think we want to ask our <laughs> listeners to do that. You know what I think we do want to ask them to do? What? Is to please go to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. If you like what we do, help us out. It's free for you. It's a great thing for us. Rob, can you say anything else without making inappropriate requests from our audience? You can rate and review us on any of the other services too. Google Play, they're awesome. Whether you do it on your knees or not, I leave it up to you. That's your business. Thank you, folks. We appreciate it. As you may know, I have a child and he stopped wanting to go to bed. Oh, man. Yeah. So we bought this book. Um, I thought you were going to say a chillo, which is a a pillow that chills your head. <laughs> Can we get that for him? Well, it doesn't work. So, what we did, what we did get was we got this book called "The Tractor Who Wants to Fall Asleep." Okay, it, it comes with a whole curriculum with it, like an explanation. It's by the Swedish doctor guy. And a curriculum? Are you saying that eventually you get to like a higher grade of knowledge in how to fall asleep? I'm not saying you get a higher grade, but I am saying if you get certified, you can get your associate's degree. My daughter sleeps on a sixth grade level. <laughs> so this book, um, it takes a lot of words to just say you're essentially trying to hypnotize your child. Like it'll bold certain words and it'll italicize certain words. And so it's just constantly saying the word, you're very tired. <laughs> and then you just really want to go to sleep. And it's great. So, you know, it's like a 20-minute read, and it teaches also the kid to fall asleep during a story instead of having to wait till the end. The problem is, is that it's exceptionally sleep-inducing because you have to read most of it about halfway through on in a whisper. And so you're talking about sleeping and how tired you are like this for 15 minutes. And I fell asleep several times before my son did today. Did I lose Alan? What? Whoa. whoa. Yeah. Oh, you woke me up there. Sorry. <laughs> it's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another interrupted tale. Hello, and welcome back to the show that usually ends. It's another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I'm Alan, and this is my friend Rob. How are you doing, Rob? I am Ducky, Alan. Just Ducky. Lucky Ducky. Don't want to autocorrect anymore there. This week... We've got a science fiction tale for you. The story is entitled 
Two Weeks in August by Frank M. Robinson from the pages of Galaxy Science Fiction, February 1951. It's time to curl up in your favorite chair and grab a drink while I read you this week's tale. I suppose there's a guy like McCleary in every office. Sweaty and overly eager to talk about the differences between the Marvel and DC Cinematic Universes? Yep, we've got a couple of those. There's a difference? (laughs) Don't get me started. Now, I'm not a hard man to get along with, and it usually takes quite a bit more than overly bright remarks from the office boy to bother me. It usually takes a beer bottle to the head, but hey, it's the 50s. Try as I might, I could never get along with McCleary. To be as disliked as he was, you have to work at it. You need a business plan, an agile development process, some swags, and a whole lot of capital. There's plenty of venture money out there just for being an asshole nowadays. Oh my god, can you can you imagine the old days when you had to work under the asshole waterfall process? Oh, jeez. So I'm so glad that the agile scrums for... <laughs> Being a jackass is taking over. I've got I've got a jackass scrub every morning at eight thirty. It really sets the tone for the day. Well, it's a stand up, so that you you only have to be a jackass for five minutes, and then you get the rest of the day to yourself. What kind of guy was he? Well, if you come down to the office one day, proud as punch because of something little Johnny or Josephine had said, it was a sure cinch. That McCleary would horn in with something like his little Louie had spotted off that morning. Louie said, what? Better get the life, boy. Can you explain that one to me? Uh, buoy? Life buoy? Crip boy? Christmas story? Oh, I've never really seen that movie. <laughs> if only there was an entire day where one could perhaps watch parts of the movie. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I don't. We don't get television here. <laughs> At any rate, when McCleary got through, he felt like taking Johnny to the doctor to find out what made him subnormal. The doctor would probably just tell Johnny to get a buzz cut and enlist for the army. That'll fix him up. Or maybe you happened to buy a new Super 8 that week and were bragging about the mileage, the terrific pickup, and how quickly she responded to the wheel. Guys, it gets 12 miles to the gallon and even came with something called seatbelts in the front seats. My, what a futuristic world we live in where science is going to keep us alive forever. But I want to sit on the hump. Oh, oh, don't worry. There's no seatbelts in the back. You're fine. Leave it to McCleary to give a quick rundown on his car that would make you feel like selling yours for junk at the nearest scrap heap. Well, you see what I mean. He's a jerkwad, and he must be destroyed for his differences. But by far the worst of it was when vacation time rolled around. You could forgive a guy for topping you about how brainy his kids are. You might even find it in your heart to forget the terrific bargain he drove to work in. But vacation time was when he'd really get on your nerves. Always bragging about the norovirus he picked up on his last cruise, or the Legionnaire's disease he picked up at Disneyland. Ugh. Did you see the cholera on his Instagram? (laughs) I don't... I had to drop him. Too many pictures of his rashes. You could pack the wife and kids and old reliable and roll out to the lake for your two weeks in August. You might even break the bank and spend the two weeks at a poor man's Sun Valley. 
Translation, you could always go to the Poconos. Beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. Do I have a joke about a heart-shaped tub? What about the champagne flute one? That's a hamstring puller. (laughs) It's a health code violation. But no matter where you went, when you came back, you'd have to sit in silence and listen to McCleary's account of his vacation in the Adirondacks, or his tramp in the Canadian wilds, or maybe even the old French Quarter. Go back and tell us more about this tramp in the Canadian wilds. This, that actually sounds like a story that could go somewhere. I, I prefer the old French Quarter ones. but <laughs> how, how old are we talking about? I could still be interested. The trouble was he always had the photographs, the ticket stubs, and the souvenirs to prove it. Hmm. He could have gotten the same things from recall. Alan, keep your eyes out for a total recall kind of situation here. No, we're not. We're not doing another total recall joke. Where he got the money, I'll never know. Sometimes I'd tell the wife about it and she'd sniff and wonder what kind of shabby house they lived in that they could afford all the other things. I never looked him up myself. Tell you the truth, I was always afraid the McCleary's lived on Park Avenue. The shocking twist? McCleary has actually been dead for 10 years. Okay, well, his social security is still working. Now, you look forward to a vacation all year, but particularly during the latter part of July when, what with the heat and stuffy office, you begin to feel like a half-done hot dog at a barbecue. Or a partially chewed bratwurst at a company picnic. Maybe a burger that's been left outside for a few days and had mayo on it. You know, I'm, I'm no good at analogies. Uh, you're right about the mayo, though. <laughs> I was feeling even worse than usual, and I was faced with spending my two weeks in my own backyard, most of my vacation, though, haven't gone to pay the doctor. Uh, the doctor, of course, being his heroin dealer. Doc, doc, you gotta heal me. <laughs> I need my medicine. The only thing I minded was having McCleary find out about it and seeing that phony look of sympathy roll across his fat face while he rambled on and on about the vacation he was going to have. It was lunchtime. And we'd just finished talking about the latest on television and what was wrong with the administration and who'd win the pennant when Bob Young brought up the subject of vacations. It turned out he was due for a trip to the Ozarks, and Donley was going after the walleye pike in northern Wisconsin. Donley was blind, so we never told him that he was actually fishing at the little pond at Bass Pro Shops the whole time. This one's already mounted on the wall, and look, he sings. <laughs> I could sense McCleary prick up his ears clear across the room. How about you, Bill? Donnelly asked me. Got any plans? I winked heavily and jerked a thumb warningly toward McCleary, making sure McCleary couldn't see the gesture. Hey, read between the lines, man. Oh, and then move one finger over to the thumb. What, the thumb's not a finger? Who says? Ah. My vacation is really going to be out of the world this time, I said. Me and the wife are going to Mars. Dry, you know. Even better than Arizona for a sinus. Just the one sinus. All the other ones will be quickly destroyed by the lethal atmosphere. You're right. I guess. (laughs) Uh, No, Elon Musk has thought of something. Even with the wink, they were caught off guard for a minute. Because I usually saved my wings for when I was feeling particularly coquettish. Mars, Donnelly said feebly, edging his chair away. Yeah, sure. Great place. Never been there myself, though. The Red Planet. I wouldn't set a foot on that rusky playground. You ain't no commie, are you? Young just gaped, then grinned as he caught on. 
I understand it's a wonderful spot, he chipped in. The entire planet of Mars. Just a wonderful little spot to jaunt off to. I casually peeled a hard-boiled egg the wife had packed in my lunch bucket. Nice. <laughs> Classy. Yeah. And leaned back in my swivel chair. Oh, man. Come on. Hard-boiled eggs, a lunch bucket, and a swivel chair? Sounds like he's doing all right for himself. It's really swell, I said dreamily, but loud enough so McCleary couldn't help but overhear. Drifting down the Grand Canal at evening, the sun a faint golden disk behind the crystal towers of Marsport. I let my voice drift off into a long sigh and reach for Donnelly's sack of grapes. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know it was going to be that kind of story. You know, that's how they do it on Mars. <laughs> Two moons, it's twice a romance. About this time, McCleary had gnawed his way through a big pastrami sandwich and waddled over. He stood there expectantly, but we carefully ignored him. Shh, nobody move. His vision is completely based on movement. Right. When I throw this hard-boiled right. egg, everybody run to HR. <laughs> Cleary, down, down. Always wanted to go myself, Donnelly said in the same tone of voice he would have used to say he'd like to go to California someday. Pretty expensive, though, isn't it? Expensive? I raised a studiedly surprised eyebrow. Oh, I suppose a little, but it's worth it. The wife and I got a roomette on the Princess of Mars for $139.50. A, a roomette? Is that basically like steerage without all those poor Irish people dancing? That's like when you get put in the cargo bay and the space Irish that are immigrating to Mars. Yep. <laughs> That's one way, of course. Mars, Young sighed wistfully. Pardon me, but uh, my people call it Aries, said our receptionist, Athena Christopoulos. There was a moment of silence, <laughs> with all three of us paying silent tribute to the ultimate in vacations. And that, and that joke. Yeah, we, we took a pause for that one. <laughs> McCleary slowly masticated a leaf of lettuce, his initial look of suspicion giving way to half-belief. Hey, hey, don't knock half-belief, Alan. It fills up the churches on Christmas and Easter. All right. Let's hear some more about it, Young said enthusiastically, suddenly recovering from his reverie. Oh, there isn't much more, I said indifferently. We plan to stay at the Red Sands Hotel in Marsport. American plan. Take in Marsport with maybe a side trip to Crystallite. I believe that Mars has a city called Crystallite because I believe in me. Hey, Rocky. If we have time, we might even take a waterway cruise to the North Pole. And a quick stop at Risa might rekindle the old marriage, too. I broke off and dug Donnelly in the ribs. Man, you never fished until you have a Martian flying fish at the end of the line. Hmm. I'm starting to feel like this guy is morphing quickly from office prankster to total dick. Um, well, they sure don't work. <laughs> I grabbed a ruler off the desk and began using it as an imaginary rod and reel. Talk about fight. Oh, sorry, Mac. My ruler had amputated part of the floppy lettuce leaf that hung from McCleary's sandwich. I only eat organic amputated kale, so... <laughs> I settled down in my chair again and started paying attention to my lunch. Nothing like it, I added between mouthfuls of liverwurst. How about entertainment? Young Wink slyly. Okay, this is definitely turning into a male bang bros story, isn't it? 
Well, you know, the wife will be along, I said. But some of the places near the Grand Canal. And those Martian mist maidens, brother, if I was unattached. If I was unattached, I'd make a move and then be quickly rejected because I'm a doughy 50s guy. Hachi machi ooh la la. Yeah, also because they're aliens. <laughs> there ain't any life on Mars, McCleary said, suspicious again. All three of us looked at him in shocked silence. How could he have ever seen through your clever mirage of a deception? He says there's no life on Mars, Donnelly repeated. You ever been there, McCleary? I asked sarcastically. No, but just the same. All right, I cut in. Then you don't know whether there is or isn't. So kindly reserve your opinion until you know a little about the subject under discussion. I turned back to Donnelly and Young. Really a wonderful place for your health. The dry, thin air, nice and cool at night. Simply wonderful if you enjoy minus 100 degree nights and breathing pure carbon dioxide. Oh, I do. Oh, it's great for the skin. And beautiful. From Marsport, you can see low slung mountains in the distance. Dunes of soft red sand stretching out to them. If I were you, Bob, I'd forget all about the Ozarks and sign up on the rocket. Ooh, sign up on the rocket sounds like a euphemism, but I can't quite put my finger on what it is exactly. Uh, maybe, uh, hey, look at that dame wearing pants and going to work outside of the home. I'd sign up on that rocket. We'll focus group that. <laughs> there ain't any rockets going to Mars, McCleary said obstinately. Isn't, I corrected. I mean, there is. Besides, McCleary... Just because he never heard of something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But if he never heard of something not falling in the woods, does it make a noise? I don't know much about that. I'm, I like to spend money and go on vacations. <laughs> <laughs> the government's still working on V2, McCleary said flatly. They haven't even reached the moon yet. This guy's on to something. They're still a couple decades away from faking the moon landing. <laughs> I sighed softly acting disgusted at having to deal with somebody as stupid as McCleary. Mac, that's the government, and besides, they're dealing with military rockets. And did you ever hear of the government perfecting something before private industry? But what about waiting in line for obnoxiously long times? They seem to have perfected that. Hey, anyone been to the DMV lately? Oh, come on, am I right? Anyone? You could be right and not be funny. <laughs> <laughs> the Alan King story. <clears throat> Who perfected the telephone, the radio, television, the government? No, private industry, of course. Private industry has always been ahead of the government on everything, including rockets. Get on the stick, Mac. Uh, how, how about we ditch work and dig a little righteous jive? Do you hear me? Latch on, Jackson. We're off. McCleary started in on his lettuce leaf again, looking very shrewd. How come I never heard of it before now? He asked, bringing the clincher argument. Ah, yes. The clincher argument has been used many times before at the Supreme Court, which is why we have the how come I never heard of it before now law. Uh, your honor... I clearly have not heard of Mars, nor do I know if anybody lives on it. 
Therefore, my client must be innocent. Look, Mac, this is relatively new. The company's just starting. Can't afford to take full-page ads and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. What company wants to make a big, splashy entrance that gets lots of attention? They're having a quiet IPO. (laughs) You know, hush-hush. Just give them time, that's all. Why, a couple of years from now, you'll be spending your vacation on Venus or Jupiter or someplace like that. From now on, California and the Bahamas will be strictly old hat. McCleary looked half-believing. Where'd you get your tickets? I I got them from the same leprechaun I buy my LSD from. Why? Because he owes me money. (laughs) I waved vaguely in the direction of downtown. Oh, there must be at least a couple of agencies downtown. Might even be able to find them in the phone book. Look under interplanetary rocket lines or something like that. Uh, You might have a little difficulty, of course. Like I say, they're not too well advertised. McCleary was about to say something more, but then the one o'clock bell rang and we went back to the office grind. Ugh, time to make the donuts. I hate Mondays. Hang in there, baby. Um, any other work-related things you'd like to add, Alan? Well, no, but now I feel like I thought that guy loved his job making donuts. (laughs) But he was always so annoyed. Time to make the donuts. And then he'd be happy, but, you know, he'd, he'd have a rough start. Okay, well, I hope he had something outside of work that led to spiritual fulfillment then. (laughs) Well, McCleary didn't say anything more about it until the next day, even though we'd throw in a chance comment about Mars every now and then, as if it were the most natural thing in the world. But Mac didn't rise to the bait. We gradually forgot about it. The next couple of weeks came and went, and then my two weeks in August. Like I said before, my vacation dough had gone to pay the doctor, so I stayed at home and watered the begonias. My new nose was worth it, though. I got the Ernest Borgnine. That'll always be in style. The Monday morning after vacation, we were all back in the office, if anything, looking more fagged than we had when we left. Wait, they all take their vacations at the same time? Are they teachers or maybe hockey players? Yeah, it's the new office season is starting in the, in the fall, and this is the free agency period. Hey, we've tagged you as a franchise office player, so pretty much going to get what we want to give you. <laughs> Damn collective bargaining. When lunchtime rolled around, Donnelly and Young and I piled our lunches on Donnelly's desk. His desk was near a window on the north side of the building so we could get the breeze, and talked about what we had done during vacation. McCleary ambled up, and like it usually does after McCleary comes around, the conversation just naturally died down. Ugh, how do I get this guy to come to my family Thanksgiving this year? Anything to kill another conversation about NFL players and the national anthem. After a two-minute silence, I finally took the hook. Okay, Mac, I said. I know you're just dying to tell us. Where did you go? He almost looked surprised. To Mars, he said. Like you might have said Aunt Minnie's. Which we all know is ridiculous because Aunt Minnie lives on Venus. Yeah, she's just like the atmosphere. Thick. (laughs) The three of us looked blank for a minute. And then we caught on. It took us a while to recover from laughing. And my sides were still aching. When I saw McCleary's face. Definitely had a hurt look on it. 
You don't think I did, he accused us. Oh, come off it, McCleary, I said crossly. A gag's a gag, but it can be carried too far. Where'd you go? California? Oregon? Someplace like that? Yes, the, the Oregon and Mars, of course. I said I went to Mars, McCleary repeated hotly, and I can prove it. Sure, I said. Like I can prove the world's flat and it's supported by four elephants standing on a turtle's back like the old Greeks. Um, actually, that was Indian mythology from South Asia. People are so dumb. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go work on a new version of the Summers Family Tree based off of the new issue of X-Men. Oh, is that a comic book? It's a graphic novel. There's a difference? <laughs> I cut off. McCleary had thrown a couple of pasteboards on the desk, and I picked them up. The printing on it was like something you see on a Pullman ticket. It said something about a roomette, first-class passage on the Martian Prince, for $154.75. And there was even a place where they had the tax figured. In two blanks at the top of the ticket, they had it filled out to E.C. McCleary and wife. For some reason, the wife was crossed out and somebody had scribbled mistress underneath it and va 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 voom. Well, that was her maiden name. <laughs> the bottom half was torn off, just like they do with train tickets. Very clever, I said. But you shouldn't have gone to all that trouble to have these printed up. McCleary scowled and dropped a little bunch of Kodachrome slides on the desk. Oh, we better hide that Kodachrome before his mama takes it away. I took one and held it up to the light. It showed Mac and his wife mounted on something that looked like a cross between a camel and a zebra. Zemel? Cambra? I'm going with either Cambra or... Good God, science, what horrors hast thou wrought? I mean, is it really a horror? Or is it just a camel that somebody painted half done? Oh, like in Tijuana. No, but I saw a Bachelor Party. Oh, okay. Although my parents made me leave for that scene. It's probably for the best. They were at the top of a sand dune, and in the distance, you could see the towers of a city. The funny thing was that the towers looked a little, but not much, like minarets. And the sand dunes were colored a beautiful pink. Well, that, that sounds like Mars or the Sanrio Hello Kitty theme park. One or the other. I passed it on to Donley and Young and started leafing through the rest. They were beautiful slides. McCleary and Spouse in front of various structures in a delicately tinted marble and crystal city. McCleary in a pink and black boat on a canal that looked as wide as the Mississippi. McCleary standing on a strangely carved sandstone parapet, admiring a sunset caused by a sun looking half as big as ours. And everywhere were the dunes of pink sand. Pictures can be faked, Mac, I said. And I should know. I'm the guy in that Bigfoot costume, and I was just walking around normally till he shook the camera all around. I mean, don't blame the camera, man. You were in the <laughs> Bigfoot costume. <laughs> it was hot. It was heavy. Uh, they had to make me walk. It's going to look a little funny. He looked hurt and got some things out of his desk. A sateen pillow with scenes like those on his snapshots. An urn filled with pink sand. A tiny boat like a gondola, only different. A letter opener made of a peculiar bubbly pink glass. They were all stamped Souvenir of Mars, and that kind of junk you don't have made up for a gag. 
I know mass-produced articles when I see them. I finally figured out these guys work for the Oriental Trading Catalog. <laughs> they sell them by the plastic barrel. <laughs> you know, Souvenir of Mars was probably my least favorite of the Edgar Rice Burrow series. No, it wasn't great. We couldn't afford the first-class tour, McCleary said expansively. But I figure we can cover that next year. He turned to me puzzledly. I asked the passenger agent about the Princess of Mars, and he said he'd never heard of the ship. Burn. And it's Mars City, not Marsport. Double burn. No, I, I said Mar-sport. You haven't heard of it. <laughs> it's like Jansport? It's the backpack company? I'm familiar. No, Jansport is on Janpeter. <laughs> Couldn't understand how you made a mistake. Ooh, sick burn. I'm starting to like McCleary. It was easy, I said weakly. I pointed to the pasteboard ducats. Where'd you get these, Mac? He waved generously in the direction of downtown. Like you said, there's a couple of agencies downtown. Look in the phone book for Vandalay Industries. They should be able to help you out. Yeah, import and export and Martian... Latex. You know, sometimes I think we misjudged McCleary. It takes a while to get to know a guy like Mac. Maybe his Louie is brighter than Johnny. And maybe his Chugmobile is something terrific. Oh, jeez. Every man's always bragging about his Chugmobile. I get knocked down, but I get <laughs> up again. Chugmawamba, there. Chugmawamba. <laughs> For the last few years, all on account of Mac, my two weeks in August have really been well spent. Beautiful. Why, from Mars City, you can see low-slung mountains in the distance and dunes of soft red sand stretching out to them. And the sun sets when you're standing on the parapets of that delicate crystal city. And man, fishing in the Grand Canal. Ugh. Hearing all this really takes me back to a time before Mars was ruined by tourists and everything. Now it's just strip malls and gawking ankle biters waiting for their turn at miniature golf. Oh, for those olden days of Mars. Yeah, back when they had all those tripods and didn't have a common cold. <laughs> How do you get to Mars? There's probably a couple of agencies in your town. You can look them up in your phone book under Vacation at the Planets of Pleasure or something like that. Oh. By the way, Alan, before you try to Google that, don't bother. Planets of Pleasure was shut down a few months ago after that police sting. They might be a little difficult to find, though. You see, they're not very well advertised yet. The End Oof. What do you think the moral of the story is, Rob? I think the moral is be nice to the wormy guy in your office. You know, get to know him, get him to think you're his friend, spend some uncomfortable hours staring back and forth at your laptop and him as he recounts that week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow, hear about the time his turtle died, really get into it, and then pull some horrible prank on him. I think it just goes back to that old adage, you know, if you wake up in the morning, you know, that that phrase something about assholes hold on let me let me see if i can get this 
Assholes all day long. Okay, maybe this is not a good search to put into Twitter. <laughs> if you run into a McCleary in the morning, you ran into a McCleary. If you run into McCleary's all day long, you're the McCleary. That's a lesson. That's a good lesson. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Thank you folks for listening. And we really hope that you'll tune in next time for another exciting, interrupted... Ah, the things I do on Mars. I'd go to a spaceball game. I'd go to the Mall of Mars and go right to Fredericks of Mars. I'd go dancing in the uh, Mars Dunes Resort. Tail. Tail.